This is the message from Connection Community Church for Easter Sunday, April 1st, 2018. Savior on the Loose. Your name, your name is victory. We praise a God who could not be contained in the grave. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. Thank you so much for coming to Connection Community Church. We're honored that you're here. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you so much for today, a day that is set apart, a day that's set aside, where it's, it's the whole meaning of who we are as Christians, that death could not uh, be contained, that Jesus rose from the grave, that we are new in Christ each and every day. And so, God, settle us in, speak to us, whatever it is that you need each one of us to hear, and we thank you that we are gathered together to praise you and to hear your holy word. I pray this in the name of the Father, the risen Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. So the Easter story is found in each of the four Gospels, the four first, first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Our primary focus today will be on John's version of the Easter story. And here we go. Earlier on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, my Lord, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And so Jesus died and was buried on Friday. Then Saturday was the Sabbath, the day of rest. And then came Sunday. Easter morning. It's what we celebrate today. And we find in scripture that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Now Jesus doesn't tell us the reason here that, uh, but the other two gospel writers do, Mark and Luke. According to them, Mary went to the tomb along with some other women to anoint Jesus's body with spices. Now, the Jews did not embalm, and so it was important for them to preserve the body with anointing. So that's why they were there. Now, it's interesting, the day of Jesus' death, um, that according to John, Joseph of Arimathea, and we talked about him on Holy Thursday, and Nicodemus, they took 75 pounds, this incredible amount of expensive myrrh and they went they took this to anoint the body of Jesus now the women perhaps were not aware of this that they had already that he had already been anointed or perhaps they wanted to go the extra yard for their lord and savior mm. either way Mary was at the tomb that morning, 
that first Easter morning, expecting to find the dead body of Jesus. In her mind, as of Friday, when they took Jesus down from the cross, after he had breathed his last breath, in her mind, it was over and done. Over and done. And I think you all know what we mean when we say over and done, because chances are pretty good you've been there at some time or another. Perhaps it was a relationship. Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was the life of a, uh, a friend or a family member. Each of us at one time or another has experienced over and done. Over and done mean is, means it's not going to change no matter how much we hope and pray. Over and done means that it's dead, never to be brought back to life. Over and done means finished. You've been there. We've been there. And now Mary is there. That's, at least that's what she's thinking, what she was expecting when she went back to the tomb of Jesus Christ that first Easter morning. Over and done. So according to Mark's account, the biggest concern for Mary on her way to the tomb was how was she going to roll that big stone away? And so she was so surprised when she got there and realized that the stone had already been moved from the entrance. Realizing that the tomb was empty, she ran to Simon Peter and the other disciples the one Jesus loved. Now, it's kind of funny about that. The one he loved was John, and John's the one who wrote that. Go figure. Anyway, she ran to tell them that Jesus had been taken out of the tomb, and she didn't know where he was. And even though Jesus had talked about resurrection prior to the cross, even though he talked about raising, raising, rising from the dead in three days, even though he had told them that he wasn't go- the end wasn't going to be the end, she still expected to find a dead body in the tomb that morning. An empty tomb for her meant that the dead body had been moved or removed over and done. Well, Peter and John ran back to the tomb. They ran, and John got there first, and he looked in and saw the empty strips of cloths, but he did not go in. Peter, he ran right past them. He ran right into the tomb and saw the cloths laying there, neatly laying there where the body had been. Well, finally, John went in, and the Bible says he saw and believed. He saw and believed, still not fully understanding that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then Peter and John returned to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I, don't know how, and I don't know where they have put him. Beginning at verse 14, at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? 
thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Have you ever had the answer to a question right there in front of you and you still don't see it? It's like right there and you just don't recognize it. It's kind of like Mary there just standing with Jesus basically right there in her face. You got to wonder why. Why didn't she recognize him? Maybe her eyes are so filled with tears that she's having trouble seeing clearly. Maybe the early morning sun is in her eyes. Maybe, maybe resurrected bodies look a little different than pre-resurrected bodies. Maybe she's not expecting to see Jesus alive. In fact, maybe she's so expecting not to see him alive that when she does, she doesn't even recognize that he's there. Maybe she's just so distraught that nothing looks normal that day. And Jesus asks the same question that the angels asked. He said, woman, why are you crying? But then he adds on to that, who is it you are looking for? She doesn't really answer the question. Thinking Jesus is the local hired help, the gardener, she tries to work a deal with him. If you have taken him, she says, Tell me where you've put him, and I'll go get him. And then Jesus calls her by name. He calls her by name, and it's like this veil is lifted from her eyes. Things become clear. It reminds us when our kids were younger, and there was a lot of noise and confusion, and you know they're saying, Mommy, Mommy, or Daddy, Daddy, and we're just not tuned in. We're not necessarily paying attention. And then they say, Carrie, <laughs> Alan, you know what I'm talking about if you're a parent. And then you're like, you hear your name, and you suddenly pay attention. Isn't it interesting when someone calls our name that we're able to tune in, that it does, in fact, get our mm. attention? The awesome thing with Jesus, though, is he not only calls you by name, but he knows you by name. It's not just a name. I mean, he knows our name, but he knows who's behind the name. He knows what makes us tick. He knows what makes me me. He knows what makes you you. He knows everything about you, everything about you. So when he does call your name, he knows everything that that name represents, everything that goes into that name. Everything that name stands for, both the good and the not so good. Jesus knows. He knows what's behind that name. And so the question for us is this, how well do we know him? How well do we know Jesus, not just by his name, but who he is? Who he is, in other words... Do we have a relationship with him, or is it just a name exchange? What is it? Is he just another name, or is he 
the living God, the one who came for each one of us. Relationships. It takes something to to have that relationship. We have to nurture relationships just like human relationships. You can't have a relationship if you don't talk to one another, to listen to one another. And that's true with Jesus Christ. It takes time and energy. But we're here to tell you that sometimes we get delusional and we think the most important relationship in our lives is that of our spouse or our boyfriend, or our girlfriend, or our children. That is not true. Those relationships are important. But the most important relationship that we could ever have is that of a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the most important relationship, and then everything else stems from that. A personal relationship with Jesus who knows your name, who knows your story, and who will carry you through all of that every single day, every single day. And so Jesus called her by name, Mary, and she responded with the Aramaic term Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now, I was thinking when we were putting this together, if this was, a, if this was Hollywood, okay, picture, picture a Hollywood a movie set, and Jesus would say, Mary, and Mary would say, Rabboni. And then they would embrace as a as a long-lost friend embraces someone they haven't seen and thought they might never see. Again, you can hear the music in the background, the crescendo, and man, what a glorious scene on film. Amen? Amen. (coughs) The challenge here, though, it's not Hollywood, is it? This isn't Hollywood. And rather than a big, friendly hug, Jesus says something that seems kind of strange at first. Do not hold on to me. I'm sure Mary thought this was kind of strange. Do not hold on to me. Do not hold on to you. It's exactly what I want to do is probably what she's thinking. Hold on to you. Keep you right here. Round up the others. Tell them he's back. He's back. The gang's back together. Come on, guys. Things are back to normal. Jesus is back, and everything's going to be just like it was. A-O-K. Well, Jesus may be back, but everything is not as it was. You see, it's a whole new ball game, an entire new ball game. Jesus didn't just disappear for a few hours and then show up again. Jesus didn't get resuscitated. He was resurrected. He was dead, three days dead, in a tomb, went to hell for each one of us, taking on the sins of the world, yours and mine. And there he is right before them, resurrected. Resurrected new life. And with resurrection 
It is never business as usual again. Ever. Everything is changed. Hmm. Jesus says, don't hold on to me, to Mary. But we like to hold on to Jesus, don't we? Sure we do. We like to keep Jesus right where he is. We like him to be predictable. Because when he's predictable, then we know what's going to happen. And when we know what's going to happen, we feel like we're in charge. Because we like to call the shots. We, we like to tell Jesus what we want him to do. How we want him to act. We even like to tell him what miracles we'd like him to perform and how we want him to perform them. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Yeah, we have this little wish list. And then we like to pray. And when we do that, we like to tell, direct, control. We like to run the Jesus show. Oh, yeah, we want to hold on to him. But that is not how it works. <laughs> especially now, especially since the resurrection, that is not how it works. Writer and theologian Craig Barnes wrote this in Extravagant Mercy. He writes, the Christian life is a never-ending process of losing the Jesus we were holding only to discover a more unmanageable form of him. Mary thought she had captured him in a safe expectation by making him her teacher. But in reality, that was just another tomb. And Jesus won't stay in a tomb. <laughs> See, the empty tomb on Easter morning tells us above everything else that Jesus will not be contained by anything. Anything, not even death. And especially not by our expectations. Not by our need to be in control, our desire to hold on to Jesus and keep him right where we can keep track of him. The empty tomb on Easter morning turns everything upside down. Death no longer has power. Death no longer has sting. Death no longer is the conqueror. The empty tomb reminds us that Jesus overcame death, and so Jesus is the ultimate conqueror. Jesus is the ultimate conqueror. And it reminds us that Jesus will not be contained by nothing or nobody. And that's so hard for us because we try to understand, we try to comprehend, but Jesus is beyond that. And I'm so thankful for that. Because if it's someone I understand, like really get, then that means that he can be contained. But he is so big and so wide and loved so much that that makes all the difference in the world. Miracle upon miracle. With God, all things are possible because he can't be contained. Sometimes we feel like we need to know Jesus, you know, who is he? And, you know, what is it, Jesus? But it's okay to ask the question, and it's okay to not understand. The people that went to the tomb that morning didn't get it, but they were about to see something mighty that Easter morning. Barnes continues. 
Our image of Jesus is reflected of what we need hope to look like. If there comes a time when that image needs to die because there's more to Jesus than we know. At Easter, we encounter a risen Savior who has a new vision for our future. After the resurrection, things do not return to normal. (laughs) And that's the good news. It's basic to everything else the New Testament teaches. After Jesus has defeated death, nothing can be seen as predictable. There is no normal. There is no ordinary. Not when a Savior is on the loose. The empty tomb reminds us that we do, in fact, have a Savior on the loose. And when that's the case, anything is possible. Anything is possible. When a Savior is on the loose, there's nothing in this world or the next that can hold him down. When a Savior is on the loose, it is never, ever over and done. Oh, we might think it is, but God continues to work and God's miracles unfold, maybe not the way we expected or the way we wanted, but God is still in the midst of it all. In the midst of broken relationships, in the midst of broken dreams, in the midst of hopes that don't come, but God's got it all because we have a Savior who transcends, who is over and above, who is a Savior on the loose. That's the message this Easter morning. We have a Savior on the loose, a Savior who will not be contained, not by the grave, a Savior who goes beyond everything we had in mind. When this Savior is on the loose, anything and everything is possible. And rather than just trying to hold on to this Savior, What we need to do is turn to this Savior with our hopes, with our needs, and most especially with our hurts. Not trying to tell Jesus how to take care of those things, but just faithfully turning to him with hands open saying, Lord, I need you. Please help me. Knowing that Jesus knows far better than we do what our hurts and needs are and knows far better than we do how to care for us in our time of need. If Jesus can overcome the grave, and he did, nothing we bring to him is beyond the realm of possibility. Nothing is beyond the realm of possibility. Nothing. The empty tomb teaches us that nothing can hold our Lord and Savior down, not even death. You know, they do those surveys. What's your greatest fear? I'm not sure top of the list if it's death or public speaking at this point. It's one of those two. But we're going to set public speaking aside for now. We're going to say death. Greatest fear, but it's not our fear anymore, is it? We have nothing to fear because death has been overcome. We don't have to fear it anymore because now anything is possible. And that's because we have a Savior who is on the loose. Do you know him? Do you know him? Not just by name, but by relationship. Do you know him? Have you let him in? Perhaps today is the day for that. Today is the day to take one more step, a little closer, 
to the Lord who breathed life into you. You're not an accident. You're here with a God purpose. One more step. And you think, you know what, I'm not good enough. You don't, you don't know me. Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. And loves you so much that he took that journey on purpose. He was a savior on a mission. Went to the cross willingly. Died. Gave up his spirit. They didn't kill him. Gave up his spirit. And then showed us that it's never over. Life on earth and in heaven. We are never stranded. God loves you. Take one more step closer to the God who wants that relationship with you. If you are searching and want to talk about that, Mike and Maria are in the back. They'd love to have a, a short conversation and pray with you. What we've shared today about a Savior on the loose where with God all things are possible, that's the good news of the gospel. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, I know that there are people here who are questioning. Thank you that everybody just showed up and heard the, the message of Easter morning and help each one of us just take one more step closer and explore who you are and whose we are. Thank you, God, for the blood shed on our behalf and that you rose again so that we could never be stranded, that we're never alone, and that we have life eternal here on earth and in heaven. Thank you, God, for this gift of grace. We pray this in the name of the Father, Jesus Christ, his one and only Son who has risen, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.